Hey, uh, it's been a, at least from my perspective, it's been a great conference, right? It's been a sweet time. And I uh, really enjoyed, man, meet a lot of new faces, a lot of new people, and uh, just it's fun to meet the, the body of Christ, isn't it? It's, it's nice to know you're not doing this thing alone. And uh, man, the friendships that are made at these things, the moments, the memories, man, they help carry us through the year, carry us sometimes through some hard times. And so, man, just thankful uh, for this opportunity to be with you. I do need to clear up a little bit last night. Uh, Lee kind of got offended. Uh, and so, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend thee. Uh, but he got, he got a little hurt yet last night, so I just, I'm sorry, Lee, uh, wherever you're at. He, oh, oh, he's hiding? Oh, there he is. Hey there. Hi, Lee. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> did he just, did he call me a jerk? Is that what he said? Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> All right. That thorn in the flesh is back. All right. But no, man, uh, man, I love that guy. And man, uh, it's so cool to just follow him, right, in this thing. He, he had the job of getting us all excited and pumped about this thing. And, and I had the job of just bringing the practical. And uh, it, was just, it was sweet to do that with him. And we've had a couple of opportunities. And, and that's how our friendship really started. It started in Africa and Malawi, uh, preaching together. That's really where we ran into each other. And uh, so it's just cool to continue to do that. Uh, and Lee, man, has, is one of those friendships that's changed my life, specifically this past year. He shared some truth with me, uh, man, showed me some things, and it's changed my family. It's changed my life. And, and so I know I joke with him, and, but I do love the dude. And uh, he's made an impact in my life, and uh, it's just cool to do this with him. Man, the morning sessions have been awesome, haven't they? If you have not been a part of that, you've got to go grab those and prove those things out. Um, and man, you need to put the pressure on those two to get the book out, all right? Come on, all right? We need that stuff. And so it was good stuff. And uh, man, but we've been trying to focus on how do we pass down our doctrinal DNA to the next generation? And, and man, really tonight, it's going to be really simple. It's really practical. But there is going to be some work. And there is going to be the potential to get offended, not, not necessarily by me, but by some of the principles and then how you play those out. And you just got to be prepared. You got to be prepared for that. If you want to be the next generation. Tonight, man, we're going to see, not, or last night we saw, like the next generation has to be willing to prove all things. And tonight I, I want to start with this question. Is there any crazy people in the room that just absolutely love exams. They love tests. Anybody? All right, Eric. All right, the one brave soul. Because I phrased it, is there any crazy people, right? Okay, right? Okay, some of us do. Some of us like exams. Some of us like tests. Many in the room didn't raise their hand. But, you know, I find in our educational system, we've left the true meaning of what an exam or a test was intended for. Originally, it was to prove if one understood the subject, and it was to reveal strengths and weaknesses. And those weaknesses are what was left wanting. The teacher now can address that so the individual could become better. But man, for the most part, examinations today, tests, are to get funding, right? To keep a status, or maybe to keep a job. 
Therefore, the, the teacher is under this pressure to teach the student to pass tests, not for the betterment of the student, not really preparing them, not to reveal what is wanting so it can be addressed and corrected. And those exams are for another purpose. Exams, though, were to prove someone. I mean, have you heard the saying, for one, for one to have a testimony, you must have passed the test. The testimony is the proof that you have passed certain tests, certain trials, certain tribulations. You don't have a testimony if you never pass, though. Last night, we looked at 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, and we talked about despise not the prophesyings. And, and so you were to take what you hear and in verse 21, prove all things and hold fast that which is good and abstain from all appearance of evil. And for something to be proven, there has to be an examination. Right? Would you say that to be true? For you to know it to be true, to know that it's proven, you have to examine it. Well, we talked about last night that to prove I mean, prophesying's out means you must examine Scripture. You prove prophesying by searching and studying Scripture. And I said this last night, you are to believe nothing till it has stood the test of proving. And so when you prove it through examination, you take that hand out. And there's a young lady who came up. I think her name was Kaya. She came up to me and was like, hey, look at my handout. And she showed me all the notes. And all, this, all the blanks were filled in. And she even had colors and all that. She had it. I was like, awesome. Now, now go prove it. Go examine it. And when you do that, you come to conclusions that are good. And you hold fast to it. Maybe there's some things in this world you prove, other voices, and you conclude that, man, they're evil, or maybe they have the appearance of it, so you abstain from it. But when you prove something, when you've examined the evidence, you come to conclusions. You've reached some discernment based on who or what has gone through the proving process. So I want you to hear this. For someone to be proven, there has to be an examination. For something to be proven has to have an examination, but for someone to be proven, there has to be an examination. Again, to have a testimony, you have to pass the test. But in this case of an exam, are you willing to be tested? Are you willing to be proven? And here's the principle. If you desire to be the next generation, you must be willing to be proven first. You must be willing to be proven. Let's pray. Father, I need you tonight. We're, we're all low on energy. Lord, we're on that last bit of excitement. And, but Lord, there's another work you want to do tonight. Lord, you showed us the work last night of our responsibility to prove out the scriptures, to prove out the prophesyings. But tonight, Lord, I, I pray that there be a generation, whatever stage that may be, that they be willing to prove themselves. They will be willing to prove it out. And Lord, you'll use those few that choose to do so. Well, let us see what you say in your word and apply it and give you all the glory. We love you in your name. Amen. I mean, we live in a day and age that doesn't want to prove things out, right? Ignorance is bliss. 
Man, my truth. I don't want to hear it. I don't even want to talk about it. They just want to stay in their little world. I mean, but we also live in a day and age where people don't want to prove themselves. And all the older generation probably would say, amen, right? Right? The younger generation want positions and pay and praise without going through the process of being proven. Some of you guys have been at a job for maybe 10, 15, 20 years, and a new guy comes in and says, I want the same pay as that guy. Well, where have you been? Right? You're a rookie. You're new. I earned this. I took the time to this. I have a, a man, a good friend of mine that's in a church, and he's, he's 80-something years old, and, and he, he's, he's of the old school way, so Man, he's telling me, hey, like, I'm having trouble finding someone to come fill the pulpit. Man, he's looking for someone, and it's an older church. They're in their 70s. That's probably the average age, right? They don't have really anybody young. Discipleship wasn't part of their thing, and so, man, it's showing itself. It's a dying church. And he said, hey, these kids that are coming out of Bible college, they, man, I, I asked him, hey, you're going to come, and you want to, or you called? Yeah, I'm called to preach. And the next thing is, hey, what's the package that I get? How much vacation time? How much pay? And I want this and I want that. Man, it's like, man, he doesn't even have that over about 50 years of ministry. Man, the next generation sometimes has trouble or they get offended if you don't see that they're, they're ready. And they bail when you aren't giving them opportunities that they feel like they deserve. The sad reality, y'all, is that the next generation that claims to be God's people don't want to sit under the examination process to be proven. See, when Paul writes to Titus, he's reminding Titus why he left him in Crete. Titus 1.5 says this, for this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. Right, Titus, this says, set up those things that are wanting, those things that are lacking, and ordain the elders in Crete, and make, can I say it this way, to establish the next generation of leaders. Paul then lays out the qualifications. He says, if any be blameless, I love it, he says, if any, Right? If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Paul said, hey, hey, Titus, these are the initial qualifications to be looking for. Start with these. Again, I like how he says, if any, because if you jump down the typical Cretan and those in the island of Crete, it says, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even of a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always, are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. And it continues, verse 13, this witness is true. Wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. May you see why Paul says, hey, if any, <laughs> because there are many that are not. But even though there are many that are not, all God needs is a few. 
And so you back up the qualifications, the Titus 1 verse 7, it says, for a bishop must be, must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. That, may be by, or that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. You know what Paul is telling Titus? I, I, I sent you to Crete to set up the church, and this is what you're to look, this is what you're to look for. Someone that's blameless, husband of one wife, faithful children. Because man, that next generation leader, that bishop. He must be these things. You know what one of the things Paul is telling Titus? Hey, Titus, you must know if these guys have these things. Titus, I'm sending you there, and you're going to have to prove these guys out. And you're going to have to know if they have these things. He's going to have to examine their lives. Because Paul gives this warning in verse 16 of chapter 1. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Paul is telling Titus, hey, they're going to tell you they know God, and they're going to try to convince you they know God or how much they may know. But Titus you will need to examine their works. That will be the proof. Man, if you continue into Titus 2, Paul gives a list of what an aged man is to be. And he was to set that up. And, and so to, for that, to get that title, Titus is going to have to examine those men's life and determine if they're aged or not. And if something is lacking, then he was to set it in order. He was to address it. The same with the aged women. They don't just get the title aged woman because they're old, right? They have some things they need proven. They have some criteria that need to be met. And then we see a list in Titus 2 of the young women, that, the things they were to prove out, and the young men and the servants. All these things must be proven. All must be examined. Paul ends the chapter by saying, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Titus was to prove people out. And if they passed his examination, he would set them in positions to carry out the ministry. He was chosen to prove out the next generation, him being the first and then those that will follow. But listen, if they were to fail the examination, it doesn't mean they're cut out. No, now he knows what is wanting. Now he knows what is lacking. And he can address it and bring them up into maturity to fill those things in time. We see the same kind of concept when Paul was talking to Timothy about leaders in the church. Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, 2, a bishop must be. And likewise, the deacons, likewise, must the deacons be. And he gives this line in 1 Timothy 3.10. And let these also first be proved. Then 
let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. There's a proving that must happen first to convince Timothy that they are ready for that office. The principle's there, the proving happens first. And so many, man, the next generation, they want the office first. They want the position first. They want the, the accolades, the praise, whatever they think leadership is. They want that first. And they don't want to be proved first. First Timothy 3, 11 says, even so must their wives be. And we see here through Titus and Timothy, every stage, you need to be proven first. There's some things that need to be seen, examined, for you to come into that position. And so tonight, all I want to do is give you three exams. Uh-oh. Like I lost 99.9% .9 of the room because Eric's the only one that raised their hand, right? But man, I tell you what, if you allow these examinations happen in your life, you will be ready for the final exam. That final exam before our, before our Savior and Lord. So here's number one. If you're going to be the next generation, you must first learn to prove yourself. You need to prove yourself. And let me just give you three areas for you to examine, for you to take yourself through Number one, examine the word that is in you. Examine the word that is in you. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. This is talking more than salvation. This is the doctrine that makes up the faith. And we even use this terminology when we say our statement of faith. And here, Paul is telling the church in Corinth, hey, I want you to examine yourself. Are you in? Improve your own selves. You have to know the faith, though, to know if you're in the faith. Can I ask you some questions? Can you tell me the marks of a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you know the Romans road? Can you explain eternal security? Can you defend that baptism is not a means of to salvation? And I can go on and on of the doctrine this, that we're supposed to be passing on to the next generation. Do you know it? And you're like, I don't know it. I don't know the verses on eternal security. Examine yourself. Improve yourself. So on Monday, take the handout. On Tuesday, you're like, man, I don't know anything about eternal security. Go study that out. You're like, well, I've been through discipleship. Well, then go back to that lesson. That's really easy. And get it down. Hey, I don't know. I'm not that smart. Maybe download the statement of faith with all the cross-references that are on there and prove that out. Prove yourself. Give yourself a self-examination. Do I really know the faith that I'm in? 
Listen, you're not going to pass anything down if you don't have it. If we're concerned about passing on a doctrinal DNA, the first thing we need to see is if, are we in it? Do we have it? Here's one that Mark Trotter gave me, an exam, for me to prove out. He asked me, do I know the keys to Bible study? I thought I did. But now, since you asked me right now, I can't think of them. (laughs) You ever been there? He said this, "If if you can't tell me the keys of Bible study, then I can tell you you're not using them. Examine yourself. I know the first one, context. Okay, good. Now what's next? What's next? Examine yourself. See, in our church, and I know it's, it's common in our church, or all the churches probably, but you know what my main push many times is putting the responsibility back on the believer. And you take responsibility for personal evangelism. Right? Someone comes up, man, I, I want to share the gospel. I'm looking for a ministry that does that. You don't need a ministry to share the gospel. Go share the gospel. You don't need me necessarily or a pastor to come up and say, hey, do you know this, this, and this? No, you take responsibility and you prove it out. You examine yourself. Do I know this? And you're coming, man, I don't know that. Man, there you go. Now you know what's wanting. Go find it. Go get it. Ask questions. Seek it out. Do Bible study. That examination's good, right? Because it's just going to show what's there, your strengths, but it's also going to show your weaknesses, and that's good. It's okay. And some of you are like, man, I flew through discipleship. I just went through it. I didn't give it the time. Man, go do discipleship again. It's okay. Prove yourself. Examine yourself. And find yourself in the faith. Can you explain love, grace, and truth. Is there some key doctrinal truth you just know you just need to study out? Man, just the last couple of weeks, I'm like, man, you know, I feel kind of weak on Galatians. So guess what? I've been studying Galatians. I went and like, hey, I'm just going to roll through. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, man, this. And, and then Tony says something about Galatians 3 today. Well, okay. But I just like, for some reason, in me, I'm like, ah, I need to go study that book. Not to preach it. Not to teach it. To study to show myself approved unto God. Because I looked and I'm like, oh, something's lacking. Something not, I need to get that book down. Give yourself an examination. Again, a lot of this will be taken care of in discipleship. And so may you feel like you're just wanting in the doctrinal area? You, that you feel like you don't have a doctrinal DNA to pass down? Sign up for discipleship. It's okay. Here's another way to examine on this first point. Is examine the work in you. Okay, examine the word that's in you or not, but also examine the work in you. Can you point back to just 
the transformation process and where God has started with you and now where you're at? Can you see the work that's going on and what he's doing in you? We see that in James 1, verse 22. It says, Be, be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. And straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now this is, in a weird, practical way, a great verse for middle school boys. Right? They look in the mirror, and then they just go and like nothing ever happened. Right? Their hair's this way, they got stuff coming out their nose. Right? They just, they don't care. Right? But man, I tell you what, when you come to this book and you let it examine you, and you open yourself up to it, it begins to show you the stuff in here, right? The, the transformation, the work that needs to happen in here. And man, so you hear it, you examine it, you see it. And so you need to get to work to fix it. I mean, when was the last time you, you sat down in front of the mirror, right? Just you sat down and you're like, man, just something's up. You go in and it just reveals it. It may doesn't give you the answer right away, but man, that's it. Something there. And man, you went to work by letting it examine you and you dive into it and it starts that transformation process and you leave changed. You're different. Can you see that work in you? When was the last time that happened? Man, did you get in it so that, man, God can just show you through his word, man, the, the work that he's wanting to do here? You guys are kind of quiet. Man, I, I, and maybe just talking to some of the pastors, man, we, we, we lose that sometimes, don't we? We, we, we come to this book not to look at ourselves, but to look at others. We come to this book to, and we study to, ha- to see how we can examine other people's lives and we forget about us. And we've forgotten to look in the mirror. And you need to examine when, when was the last time whatever generation you are, that God revealed something. I had a pastor tell me, if in the last four or five or six years that you haven't realized you're about wrong, that you've been wrong about something and God showed you what the next thing to do, you're probably not growing. And listen, pastors, we can, we're not done transforming. And we're not done being sanctified. Are you examining, man, so just, okay, examine the word that's in you. Is there any deficiencies? Examine the work in you through the mirror of the word of God. And, and man, if there's something lacking, man, now you know what to study. Now you know what to figure out. 
Then number three, improving your own selves, examine the work through you. Examine the work through you. See, God's doing a work in you so then he can work through you. And so, man, can you look at your life and examine it and say, man, what's God doing with me? Where does he have me? Where am I at in this thing? Because 2 Timothy 3 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If the Word of God has been in your life, you are being furnished, you're being prepared for all good works. What works have you been doing? Titus 3.8 says, be careful to maintain those works. And Titus 3.14 says, learn to maintain good works, that, ye, that they be not unfruitful. And Matthew 7.20 says, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. So tonight we just take a look at yourself and ask, hey, is there any fruit? The work in you is going to be revealed by the fruit of the Spirit, but the work through you is going to be revealed by the fruit of the souls of men. Is there any fruit? When was the last time you led someone to the Lord? When was the last time you shared the gospel? Is there any fruit? Man, we get so busy with so many other things, but man, let's just boil it down. Man, is there, the, is there any fruit of the Spirit? Can you recognize that? Okay, if you can, awesome. Then there's a work going on in you. But man, if it's been a year, two, three, four, five years since... You've led someone to the Lord, man. I'd be like Hannah, begging. Begging for, for a babe. Begging for a soul. Is there any fruit? See, these two things, this work in you and work through you, is what led to my salvation. Man, I remember my dad, man, rolling, he... He started his own business. He was doing his own thing. And he started seeing me and my brother grow up, my younger brother. And he's like, man, I got to kind of figure some things out. And he examined himself and found that he's really lacking. And he started studying out the Bible and he had questions. And he ran to the pastor at that time that we were going to because to go to a Christian school, you had to go to some church. And so they, we had to kind of go to this church. And so he began to go to the pastor and ask questions. And the pastor's like, well, some guy says this and another guy says this. And well, you know, I, I don't really know. And then uh, he, he, he did printing. He, he was a graphic design artist, and, and there's a guy that would come in and sell business cards, John Ferris. And he'd go to him, this business card salesman, and ask the same question. He'd say, hey, let me show you. And he'd show him in the Bible where it was. And he was wowed. He's like, dude, you're a business card salesman. He got saved in college, my dad, and so he never really grew from there. And then here comes this business card salesman that had proven himself and was ready for answers. And my dad's like, wow. And that's how we landed back at KCBT. But here's a guy, kind of 
growing up in a good moral home, but not really understanding, man, Christianity, even though I went to a Christian school, and man, get there, and I'm hearing the gospel, and but you know what really captured my heart? Talking about passing down doctrinal DNA is watch, watching the work that was happening in my dad. Seeing him change. And then seeing him, the, man, the work that was coming through him. And his passion for the gospel. Trying to win anybody and everybody. He just wanted to win souls. And seeing that change in him changed me. I was like, man, if that's real, my dad won't change for anything that's not real. Man, that's got to be real. And man, and then as round gospel preaching, and man, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior one Sunday night. And then I watched my dad take the hand out. Like, he would show up to church, he'd have his colored pencils, he'd have his Bible, he'd be sitting there ready. Man, taking notes and then proving it out through the week. I, I saw that. And then my sophomore year, my dad discipled me. My sophomore, junior year, he took me through discipleship. He's passing down doctrinal DNA. But he had first had to examine himself and he found, hey, I'm lacking. And I got to do something about that. And so, man, he, he got to the got to the Bible and that biblical preaching and man, it began to do a work in him and through him and he began to have fruit that you could not deny. Listen, if you want to have a generation that follows you, man, the work has to happen in you. If you want to pass that on, you need to examine yourself. Do you have anything really that you want the next generation to have? Do you know the faith? Are you living the faith? Are you sharing the faith? If, you want, if you're going to be the next generation, number two, you must allow the Lord to prove you. See, we, we can deceive ourselves, can't we? That's what James says, right? And we can examine ourselves, and you're like, hey, I look pretty good. I don't see anything. And you may be honest. You'd be like, man, there's nothing really clicking. Okay, I challenge you to pray what David prayed. Psalms 26, verse 1. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. See, David examined himself. And he's like, hey, I'm walking in my integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Verse 2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins in my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Okay, David examined himself. He's like, hey, I'm in my integrity. But Lord, will you prove me? Will you examine me? How many does that scare a little bit? Made some holy fear. And what's interesting, the first time the word prove shows up is in Exodus 16, 4. And 
God is raining down bread from heaven for the nation of Israel, and he gives them some commands to follow concerning that bread, and it says in Exodus 16, 4, then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And we find in the story, some followed his words and others did not, but he proved them out. In Deuteronomy 8, the next generation of the nation of Israel is being addressed, and Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 2 says, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Judges 2 verse 10 Again, here's the next generation. Joshua has died along with the elders and the next generation's rising. And, and it says, and also that generation were gathered, not, uh, gathered unto their fathers and arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done. And we begin to see the cycles of the judges begin, but he says this in verse 22. He left the nations there that they were supposed to drive out to do something. And it says, that through them I may prove Israel where they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep or not. He says it again in Judges 3, 4, and they were, they were to prove Israel by them, to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord. Here's what I gather from that. The Lord will examine your virtue. The Lord will examine your virtue. He's gonna prove your virtue. The Lord proved the nation of Israel by examining their obedience to his words. And I remember Kenny Morgan saying this, great men and women of the Bible were just obedient men and women. They were not anything special, they were just obedient. And man, they got into situations, right, that God put them in, and God was examining if they're gonna be obedient, if they're gonna be virtuous. The Lord will prove you by examining your virtue. And that's why Peter is so adamant about giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue. My dad taught me, there's a saying that goes with virtue, do what you know until you know better. Do what you know is right until you know better. This is the way we say it around DBT, just do the next right thing. You're in something hard, you're in a trying season, or maybe the Lord's testing you, he's examining you, he's proving you out. Hey, just do the next right thing. He's wanting to see if you'll do that. A young gentleman, he came to me at camp once and he's like crying. He's like, I can't hear from the Lord. I can't hear from him, man, I read my Bible, nothing. I sing, it's like a, nothing. I pray, it's like it hits the ceiling. and ah. It's like, how long has this been going on, man? Like, how about a year? Okay, when was the last time God did talk to you? How about a year ago? Huh. Hey, what happened a year ago? Well, it was last camp. All right, okay. What did God tell you then? Uh, quit pornography. Did you? No. How about you repent of that? 
and let's do the next right thing and stop. Next day he comes to me bawling. He's like, God, talk to me. He knew he still had a walk to go and there's going to be some trials. Hey, okay, just do the next right thing. God's going to prove you out. He's going to test you. And that's in the area of sin. But man, we know in ministry, right? We're going to be put in situations that are tough and hard. Man, some tough judgment calls. You know what we just need to go back to sometimes? What's the right thing to do? Just do the next right thing. The Lord will examine your virtue. John 6, verse 6, Jesus, with the feeding of the 5,000, turns to Philip and he says, you know, he, he's like, hey, is there anything out there kind of deal? And, he, and it says that he said this to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. God will test you. He will prove you. He'll start with your virtue. But the Lord, number two, will also examine your knowledge. He will examine your knowledge. The next time the word prove shows up is in 1 Kings 10.1, and it, it's the first time when a person is proving another person. Queen of Sheba shows up. He's heard the fame of Solomon and said she came to prove him with hard questions. The Queen of Sheba came to prove his knowledge. And, and here's, here, here's just a principle, right? People will prove you, people will prove you by examining your knowledge. They will ask the hard questions. Generally, this is how people prove people out. But leaders, man, let that not be the first thing we prove and the only thing we prove in the next generation. The Lord will prove you by examining your knowledge as well. People will do that. We can fall into that trap just looking at knowledge. I mean, look at their virtue. But the Lord will prove you by examining your knowledge. That's why we're to study, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. And many times in the Gospels, with dealing with the Pharisees especially, he said these phrases. Have you not read? He said that seven times. He said, you never read. He said, you don't know the Scriptures. And he told them to search the scriptures. But don't forget the order. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And what's interesting, even in the order the word prove is used, it's firstly with obedience and then knowledge. Lastly here, if you're going to be the next generation, Here's the next thing you need to do. You need to allow leaders to prove you. Okay, prove yourself. Go through that. That'll save you a lot of headache. And guess what? You'll save your leaders a lot of headache. <laughs> if you prove yourself at home. And, let, and then you know what? If you go through the proving process of the Lord, that also will help a lot. The last thing that you need to be ready for and be willing is allowing your leaders to prove you. And I just want to, just two main areas, and I might be saying the same thing with different words, but just bear with me. Two main areas a godly leader will examine. He will examine your deeds. Because James talks about the work in you will produce a work through you, and a man will be blessed in his deeds. The leader will be examining what you do. He'll be examining your virtue. Right? If we remember back to Titus and Timothy, 
Hey, what do you look for? If they're blameless, faithful with their children, husbands and one wife, their deeds, as you go through that list, they're going to prove that out. Second Corinthians says, we have set them with them, our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things. Matthew 7, 20 again says, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. And again, the warning he tells Titus is that they will profess they know God, but in works they deny him. Here's just a bit of warning. I don't know if it's in your notes or not. But don't let someone's profession keep you from proving them. Leaders, don't let someone's profession keeping you, keep you from proving them out. Don't take someone's word for it. Take their work for it. Another heed, a warning to the leaders in the room that they're to prove out the next generation. 1 Timothy 3.1 says this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Awesome. But don't let someone's passion keep you from proving them. Okay, they desire it. They're passionate. They got zeal. Let them have it. Let them go. Uh, you need to go listen to Kenny and Brandon. They touched on this. Leaders, you're to look for faithfulness. 2 Timothy 2, 2, right? Saying, commit thou to faithful men. Faithfulness takes time to prove. Listen, here's another warning, leaders. Don't let urgency keep you from proving them. Urgency shouldn't cause us to send the unproven. Urgency should cause us to be about proving and so listen, if you're going to want to be the next generation, you have to be okay with allowing a leader in your life to examine and to prove you out. But you also, they will examine your doctrine. And that's the whole point of this thing, right? How do we pass on the DNA, the doctrine DNA of our churches? Well, if we pass it on and we examine your life and you don't got it, man, you still got some work to do. And that's okay. Just get to work. And man, we go through so many verses, and man, just for the sake of time, they're in their notes, but we know Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go ye therefore and teach all nations, right? And teaching them to observe all things. Titus 2, aged women, you're to be teachers of good things. 2 Timothy 2, 2, man, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2, 24, man, they look for servants that are, are apt to teach. First, or Titus 1, 7 says a bishop must be, and part of that is them holding fast the faithful words they've been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. You know, doctrine simply means teaching. And so if you want to be the next generation, guess what? It's going to be some form of teaching some way, somehow. And man, we would be really bad leaders if we just let anybody start teaching without proving out if they know the doctrine that they're teaching. But all these exams, if you'll let these things happen in your life, man, all these exams really just prepare you for that final one. And let's read it. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3. Let's open our Bibles. 1 Corinthians 3. If you will examine yourself, 
let the Lord examine you and let your leaders examine you. All that is doing is helping you for the final examination. 1 Corinthians 3, it's a passage where we, we know well. It says, according to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another build it on. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than as lay, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Do you know you don't get a participation reward at the judgment seat of Christ? You only get it if you work. And what God has set up is if you'll examine yourself and you'll see that things are lacking, you get at it, all right. Man, all scripture is profitable. Right, and you're gonna be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And then, man, you're like, all right, Lord, have at it. And prove me out. And he shows you those things. Man, it's just getting you ready. And then you go to your leaders. And you say, hey, I want you to take a good hard look at my life and prove me out. And man, those, those men and women come in your life and they say, man, I see this. I see that. And you submit to that. It's just helping you for the work. It's just helping you see that something's maybe missing. God is using your leaders to speak into your life so you can get to the work and do it well. So then when you stand before Christ, at that final examination, you have something to show. And next generation, no matter what, what stage you are, just hear me out. It would do you well to let a man or woman of God examine your life let him or her tell you what is wanting so you can get it right. I've done it. It's awkward. It's humbling. You got to take some things. Don't get offended. You're asking. They'll tell you. It's for your good. The generation tomorrow, you have to be okay with being proven out. But the generation of today, you also have to be okay with being proven out. Hey, leaders, for a second, Paul was okay with being proven out time and time and time again. Second Timothy, he says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, 
Leaders, we get examined, don't we, all the time. And we got to be okay with that because the next person that walks in this door may have came and has some church hurt. And man, we got hurt by another pastor. I'm okay with proving myself out to that person. I'm okay. You see, Paul does it over and over again, and he tells his boy to do it too. 1 Timothy 4.12, let no man despise thee, or despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. As we just kind of end, I hope it makes sense. But here's the wild part. This is what just gets me. It's a lot of trust. And man, I tell you, we've lost a lot of trust in our churches. I get that. But man, you're going to have to trust the Lord in this process. When Paul is telling Timothy and Titus to prove out the next generation, guess whose decision it was if they were proven or not? Titus or Timothy's? God gave the liberty to the leaders to say, hey, when you think they're proven, they're proven. That's, that's a heavy load, ain't it? But that's our responsibility as leaders. And so listen, next generation, if you play this out and you go up and, and you think you're ready, but your leader says not yet, it's okay. They have to be convinced. So just keep proving. The Lord knows. The Lord knows he hasn't seen yet or she hasn't seen yet. Just keep proving. And may God's working one more thing in your life that you need, just even through that time of patience. But don't forget who is to be done for in all this. Colossians 3, 17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. But also known, this is all to be done so you can be like Christ. Acts 1, 8, or Acts 1, 1. Jesus began both to do and to teach. Not many probably sit through the examination, but listen, God only needs a few. Will you be the few? Will you be the next generation? And so will you prove all things? And then will you allow yourself to be proven? You do those two things, I'm telling you, you'll be set up to be ready. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for the evening. Real practical, real simple. Not a lot of wow, not a lot of bells and whistles. And, but Lord, we need to be a generation that's proven first. We, we've had too many novices. We've had man, too many people get the, the position without the proving and sadly has proven out at times. And so Lord, let the leaders know through the wisdom of your word that, and the responsibility that it's okay to prove out people. It's okay if we're not convinced that we don't move, even though there may be pressure and urgency and passion. No, we have to be convinced. That's our responsibility to prove things out. The Lord, the next generation, Lord, would they give their leaders grace, and, but also would they just prove themselves? And then allow themselves to be submitted unto you, allow 
you to prove them out. And Lord, at that moment, they will submit to leaders and let the leaders prove them out. Lord, there may be only a few, but you just need a few to impact the next generation. Lord, who will be it? Who will be the few? The next generation that says, I'll do the process, Lord. It's worth it. So when I stand before you at that final examination, I will have proved that I did this work for you. I love you, Lord. Thank you in your name. Amen.